This is The Talking Dead, a podcast dedicated to the AMC TV show, The Walking Dead. Hello, everybody. My name is Chris. My name is Jason. My name is Karen. My name is also Jason. There are a lot of people on this show. <laughs> this is The Talking Dead number 272, recorded on Saturday, Ooh. June the 4th, 2016. Welcome to the program, everybody, and welcome to the show, Jason and Karen from The Walking Dead cast. Yay! Thanks. Yay! Glad Yay. to be back. Yeah, yeah, we do this every year. It's super fun. Mm-hmm. It's one of the things I look most forward to uh, every year. We had to switch it up a little bit this time. We did? Well, because the fear of the Walking Dead, so we had to. Oh, we had yeah, kind of wait a little longer, I guess. Yeah, yeah. So it's been what eight weeks or whatever since since season right. six ended. So usually we try to do this in the first couple of weeks after the season finishes. But I think this is going to be fun. I think it's going to be a little yeah. bit different. Give us a, some time to think about it, some perspective, and I think our lists may be a little bit different than usual because of it. Actually, yeah, 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 totally. So or maybe it'll be exactly the same. <laughs> it's hard to really. tell. Yeah. <laughs> it is hard to tell. Um, so you guys, in case any of our listeners don't know, of course, you guys are from the Walking Dead cast, the uh, second best Walking Dead podcast on the internet. <laughs> After Bald <laughs> Moves, Walking Dead. No, I'm just right. kidding. Of course. <laughs> of course. <laughs> um, uh, to be more accurate, the second longest running probably is is more true. Um, or third or third i don't know (laughs) whatever (laughs) definitely one of the coolest ones um if 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 there's listeners out there that don't listen to your show uh, i highly recommend visiting walkingdeadcast.com and checking it out because it's super cool and then jason you've also started you know a podcast network lately called podcastica so why don't you tell everyone a little bit about that if you don't mind and that way they can figure out what you're doing over there yeah we just uh since I've been doing podcasting, I met a lot of talented podcasters and I decided it would be fun to just give it a go and start a network and see where it would lead. Kind of the same feeling I had when I started this podcast in the first place. Hey, let's try this, see what happens. So um, we started with a game of microphones and under the comic covers hosted by a couple of friends of mine, Mr. Blog and Grace about comics, of course. And then we've just slowly been adding shows a little, little by little. I try to make it kind of eclectic because I didn't want it to just be all TV fan podcasts. So we have one about meditation. We have a podcast called Podcast Junkies where my friend Harry interviews other podcasters. And he's really um, personal and kind of casual, easygoing interviewer. And then, of course, I mean, it's funny because the only person on this call who I don't have a podcast with is jason actually maybe we Mm -hmm. should start one sure (laughs) because chris and you and i and my friend rich are have did well last season we did evil dead cast which was a ton of fun all about ash versus evil dead yeah yeah that was that was a that was a lot of fun i hope we can do it again Mm -hmm. for season two um, yeah, we're not sure. Yeah, because they switched it to Sunday night when every other show is on. They're what? they're really they're really screwing us over. So we're trying to. Did figure you not out. hear that, Karen? Yeah, no. we, we don't know if we can do Evil Dead cast this year. We'll, we're going to try to find a way. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> yeah, with with everything else we've got going on, another show on Sunday means Monday nights are out, and Tuesdays and Wednesdays it all gets screwed up. So hopefully we can do that. How many shows have you got on there? Six or seven, right? I think it's up to ten. Holy ten? moly! Yeah, that's amazing. Well, that's awesome, and that's all at podcastica.com, right? 
Yeah. Cool. So go check that and, out, everyone. Go ahead. Yeah, and I just, um, this is our sixth year doing this. We've done these annually ever since season one, mm-hmm. and uh, so I wonder. I, I guess we're, we're both probably getting new listeners all the time, so there may be people who didn't know about this. But I know a lot of people who have listened to both of our podcasts for a long time look forward to these, and I think that's pretty cool. Yeah, it's it's really cool. I, I do know we have a lot of crossover listeners. Sometimes yeah. I even get emails that are meant for you. And I know. <laughs> ah, that's funny. <laughs> here, yeah. Things like that. So it's all very friendly and everyone, and, you know, everyone's really cool. So it's it's fun and it is fun to do this. So we'll get into our lists. What we do is we do, um, we sort of do a countdown, a list of our top, well, top certain number of uh, sort of talking points. It's not really highlights or lowlights or anything. Um, it's just sort of things we want to talk about, about, you know, with relation to the season that just finished or in this case finished up, you know, two months ago. Um, but I just want to remind all of our listeners, uh, if I can take a second to do that, um, that we're up for a podcast award again this year. And uh, it is the podcast awards where you have to go and vote for us. So if you don't mind, every day between now and I think it's June 12th, visit podcastawards.com and choose the Talking Dead in the TV and film category and then just get that email and confirm your vote. So hopefully everyone doesn't mind doing that and uh, we can take home the award this year. And since we're not in competition with you this year, unlike last year, we can throw our full weight behind you guys. That would Heck be yeah. amazing. <laughs> that, and, so and, everybody and, go vote uh, for Talking Dead. Right. And we can we can also recommend that posting uh, pictures of adorable uh, goats, baby goats, or even <laughs> uh, uh, kittens. That's always good. Puppies. You could branch out, you know. That you always know what helps. she's talking about? I, I, well, everyone loves goats and kittens, right? <laughs> I would say, um, what would I say? I, I'd post because you have to get your audience to vote every day, which uh-huh. I feel like is such a pain in the butt. So I was trying to make it fun. And I would, I posted a picture of this little cute goat and said, this baby goat wants you to vote. And then I put the, <laughs> put the, <laughs> and then when I get, I, we won. So I, when I gave my speech, I said, that was our secret. Maybe <laughs> goats. Okay, I'm going to keep that in mind because I think that uh, I think that might work. That might help. You could also try threatening the cute animals. That might help. So. <laughs> here's That's a, a shot. Here's a baby goat with a gun to its head. Vote. Pretty much. Do you want it to live? Oh my god. That's terrible. <laughs> Just uh, kidding. Yes, of course. We we don't condone that sort of thing around here. No, no, no. Anyways, podcastawards.com. Vote for us in the TV and film category if you don't mind. That would be amazing. Okay, so guys, we're going to do our countdown or the first half of it here. We do the first half on this show, and that means, uh, well, we're starting at six this year. We're not doing a top ten. We're doing a top six, which may sound a little bit strange, but um, I think the idea is that it means there might be a little less sort of overlap in all our lists when you get four people and you're all doing a top 10 list you end up talking about the same things or everyone has a lot of the same stuff on their lists i have a feeling that'll probably happen again this year but we decided to cut it down make it a little more tight and lean and see if we can have a little bit more uh diverseness or diversity in the in the list so we're doing a top six that means that six five and four will be on this podcast and then three two and one will be on the walking dead cast so you'll have to go over to there to listen to that Top six for season six. See, 
That totally makes sense. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I wish I just said that. <laughs> Doesn't really make sense, but that's okay. Hey, it's okay. It's six. It's uh, you couldn't. We couldn't do a top five because you can't split that evenly. And right, uh, top, two and a half. Top four. I mean, yeah. It's I don't even get out of bed for anything less than a top five. So <laughs> top top six. It is. Uh, okay, guys. So Jason or Karen, why don't one of you guys go first with your number six? Karen. All right. So I'm going to go ahead with the obvious choice, which is <laughs> for me. And, and the way that I that I thought about this is I sort of thought about this as hitting, punching like the high, the high. For me, it's the highlights of the entire season. And, and um, for me, it was starting with episode one. Um first time again and I chose an entire episode because um, this was it was such a cool I reviewed my notes I went back and I sort of blasted through a couple of the episodes and I gotta tell you episode one was really strong and it wasn't my very favorite episode but it might have been my second or maybe yeah it was my second favorite episode of the entire season I love episode ones because it's so great to see everybody again it's sort of like the first day of school when you're really happy to see all your old friends we're back with everyone in alexandria and uh the episode itself was uh great for so many reasons including we got to see the quarry zombies which was crazy and it even had a cliffhanger ending so i i think i ended up scoring it out of five i scored it like a 4.8 really really strong and i also like that they employed a cool stylistic tool for the episode which is that the past is in black and white and the present is in color it was directed by greg nicotero who i think does wonderful work and it was written by scott m gimple the showrunner and matt negret who's done a lot of great episodes so um, another couple of things about the episode we get to see Morgan the incomparable Lenny James and uh, a couple of themes were sort of set up for at the very beginning for this episode we see how he is with Rick and it's sort of the contrast to Rick with his humanitarian approach and very interesting uh, he holds Judith again and we know now that Eastman predicted he'd hold it a ba- he'd hold a baby again which was lovely and we got to see Eugene my mullet rocking buddy <laughs> and uh, whose hair game I respect so yeah all in all a great first episode of the season I totally agree when I was making my list when I was starting out the list anyways I just made a point form sort of of everything I could think of and then I would pare it down a little bit and uh, the season premiere was one of the things on my list for a lot of the same reasons I really liked the black and white Um, I thought it was a great intro to the season it was fun to see that truck fall into the quarry and uh, what they were going to do about it and then all the panic that set in right away Um, and it was I think it was a really strong start to um, to the season and you know it got me really excited about what what was to come Absolutely. Actually, that's my. Uh, that was you, you stole the one that I was going to start off with as well. So we're uh, we're starting off. The only difference I had was that uh, when I was going to talk about uh, the black and white in uh, in the past and the color, 
uh, being in the present, I probably spelled color with a U. I think that's <laughs> right. the, uh, the only difference. Slight difference. Yeah, <laughs> very slight difference. Uh, but yeah, well, it was an absolutely, it was a great episode. Uh, it was a really bold move to, uh, to have the black and white versus color. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm glad they did that rather than doing the, uh, the oversaturation versus sepia. Uh, they were thinking, playing with that kind of idea at the beginning, but I'm glad they didn't do that. Uh, I'm yes. glad they just went straight black and white for the, uh, for the flashbacks. It's it's interesting to me um, going back with these things that we do, these retrospectives, because a lot of times I will like episodes I didn't like before or vice versa. And this was a case where I already I liked the episode. I gave it a four point two when you know we first reviewed it and then watching it again. I didn't like it as much. I, I never liked the whole black and white thing. I felt like they created this um, story that just needed some help because otherwise, if you didn't do that, it would have been too confusing. And so that was their way of doing it, but it just really took me out of it. And I, this is an aside, but Nicotero said he thought of it later that, Oh, he should have done his night of the living dead tribute zombie during that episode because it would have been in black and white. (laughs) (laughs) But but, uh, you know, when you when I first saw this episode, the zombie horde, just the sight of the horde was awe inspiring. Yes. Like, holy cow, we've never seen anything like that. Going back after I knew to expect it, I was like, oh, yeah, that's cool. I remember, especially when some zombies fell down uh-huh. in the quarry. But a lot of the episode was just herding them around and barking yes. orders and plans and, you know, just kind of the logistics of this whole thing and and uh lots of intense music as these zombies are slowly shuffling around a corner being herded (laughs) (laughs) and it just seemed like they're really trying to make you think this is exciting but it's just a lot of people walking (laughs) so (laughs) so i didn't love it as much uh going back to i don't know i i think the excitement sort of came from the the um the volume of zombies really like like you said this giant horde right we'd never seen that many Really, it was a ninety-minute episode, though, right? It was, yeah. wasn't it? It was, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. We got three ninety-minute episodes. Yeah, you're right, you're right. Uh, or did we yeah. get three in the whole season, or three in the first half? We got the last episode and the first, and then was there another and, and one Morgan's there? episode yes. with Eastman yeah. was ninety. Oh wow! It was so we got extra extra season this year. Um, I was just gonna say though, it's I know it's not exactly the same thing, but Jason, did you ever watch? Um, like the original pilot and stuff in black and white when they aired it in black and white? I never did. I watched some scenes, but I didn't. But I, yeah, I, I think that's pretty cool because the comics in black and white. Yeah. So I think it was sort of a tribute to that. For sure. I know it's not exactly the same thing because the whole thing was in black and white instead of using it to delineate a time difference, yeah. right? This just felt like, yeah, like they wanted it to seem artistic. And to me, it just felt like a stopgap mm-hmm. or something. Mm-hmm. But you know what? I, I think more people agree with you guys than me. I've heard more people say they like that. So to each their yeah, own. It was a great one. Mm-hmm. Anyways, Jason, uh, Jason C, what's your number six then? Okay. Mine is, uh, hold on. The, I feel like this whole season, the arc of this season was at least one arc was about Rick's relationship with Alexandria and him, becoming leader and then 
accepting them as his people. That took a while. And also the Alexandrians deciding to trust Rick and also that they needed to do something different than they had been. They learned that they had been actually sheltered, even though they didn't realize it and that they were going to have to take care of themselves. And then they had to build up the confidence to know that they could take care of themselves. So we see that all all those threads play out over episodes at first. Nobody trusts Rick. Um, and as viewers were kind of like, yeah, maybe they shouldn't, you know, we don't, we're not sure, but, uh, or at least some of us like Carter, he, he, uh, almost, he was plotting to kill Rick. That's how much they didn't trust him. Tobin didn't trust him for a while. And he, as he considered them almost fodder, he, he was very cavalier about, oh yeah, you can try to save some of these guys, but don't let them slow you down. If, if it comes to that, just let them go. And, the, and then there was that scene in the forest where one of the guys got bitten by a zombie and died and he just lean, kneeled over and started rifling through his stuff without any like <laughs> concern yeah. and while his horrified friends stood looking on. You guys remember that? <laughs> yep. Yes. Yeah. I, I love that scene. Yes. <laughs> um, so, you know, we go from him thinking of them as sort of expendable and not really having much value. In fact, I think he even chastised Tara one time for risking her life for one of these people. Right. And then Deanna kind of convinced him, no, these are your people. Yes. And by the end of it, he had rallied them all to, uh, you know, fight off all the zombies that had broken in and they successfully did that. And they became an integrated group. And, you know, there was a huge power vacuum created because at first Deanna was really checked out because her husband and son had just died and, and that emergency happened. So Rick needed to step in and, you know, just pretty soon he became the leader. So all these different forces conspired to make Rick the leader and the Alexandrians as his people who he could then go command to kill people in their sleep. <laughs> and everything's going to work out great for all of the Alexandrians now. Yeah, <laughs> I assume so. I mean, you, with that first episode, I I was questioning, oh, did Rick do really do the right thing? Um, and, you know, Aaron made it pretty clear later on. If Rick hadn't intervened, then the zombies would have escaped and all of them would have reached Alexandria. But because of Rick, only half did. So it's sort of a half win. But I still think, and I think I heard you guys say this too, that what what would have been the better thing, especially since we've learned that zombies can seem to now head right towards flames, is to just <laughs> light a big fire in there. Uh-huh. Yeah, right? light the and quarry then, on and then, fire, and they'd all yeah, just stay there, a, and most of them would burn a up. A controlled burn. Yeah. Could have, would have, Keep using that quarry. If that quarry really did keep the Alexandrians safe this whole time, because the zombies would get somehow get pulled into there and hear hear the noise and get drawn to it and fall in, then just keep doing that and then have controlled burns every once in a while. But I guess that's too boring and not doesn't not conducive to a <laughs> yeah. nice and more dramatic, dramatic story. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Instead, they decided to light the town pond on fire yeah. and and have their burn there with a That's rpg right. or whatever <laughs> yeah. yeah right their yeah. water supply definitely not boring you know that's the opposite of boring exactly right. explosions are, are always good well i mean that would have been freaking awesome actually to see them light all those zombies in that quarry on fire yes it would have thousands of yeah them. and even if they'd you know, if they'd somehow done it with the the RPG, you know, just you could, know. You could see Abraham or, or I guess maybe Daryl standing on the side of that thing, just firing <laughs> yeah. it in. That would have been Darryl awesome. Daryl would have grabbed it from Abraham. Give me that. Give me that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, that would have been awesome. It would have been. And, you know, he blew up uh, 
he blew up the motorcycle guys on on the road, so he clearly knows what he's doing with that thing. He really does. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Didn't need any training whatsoever. No. He just, just found it, it in the back of the truck. <laughs> They're easy, and, right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Point and shoot. <laughs> That's what I hear. <laughs> um, was it, hey, Jason, do you think it was funny? I mean, Rick being a leader has been a theme of this show for six years in one form or another. Is it mm-hmm. funny to keep kind of rehashing that a little bit? I think, I think you know, what you're getting at is maybe it's a little bit different because, you know, you're in a town, it's a bunch of new people, and they kind of had their own system going, and he comes in and takes over and, and thinks it's his way or – or the highway kind of thing, um, but was it was it enough for you that it was that it was new in that way? Well, what really it was new in that way, and yeah, that is that does help. But what really keeps it fresh for me is Rick, his arc from being a guy in episode two who would give a eulogy to a zombie mm-hmm. to a guy in season six who would just see somebody's friend get killed and start rifling through their pockets and just start <laughs> shooting at people who he doesn't know right away without any investigation like captain kirk style <laughs> so Hilarious. so now you know he's a different person i think he's a whole different person than he was when, when the show started out so so even though it's still themes of his leadership it's like it's fresh because of that for me yeah. I forgot he gave the eulogy for the zombie way, way back in season one. Mm. That's crazy. Um, and, he used to be a nice guy. <laughs> well, with a lot of time on your hands, evidently. If they if they stop and gave yeah. a, a uh, eulogy for every single zombie they killed now, ugh, that's all they'd be doing. Oh, yeah. They'd still be doing it's it. Father Gabriel's job. Yeah. <laughs> and Eastman's job. Right. Yeah, Father Gabriel was hardly in this season, eh? No, but yeah, he, they, it, he it seemed up. like they were going somewhere with him last season. Oh, he's telling on them. These people are all evil. And then this season, he's all, oh, no, never mind. Sorry. Yeah. And then <laughs> now he's that. the guy that Rick just gives Judith to anytime something goes wrong. Yeah. I, it felt like we didn't see enough of that when they set him up to be this, uh, well, I don't know, villain Pretty- sort of like he, like you said, he's telling on them. And then all of a sudden everything's okay. It's almost like that plot line just kind of went away and he becomes yeah. the protector the in the very end the last couple episodes he's like right. uh do you trust me to take care of everything yeah. here while you're gone and and rick's like yeah bud yeah you're <laughs> awesome sure the weird thing right. the weird thing is i when he said you know i'll i'll protect her i have and i have a plan and everything i kind of believed him when he was saying it even though you know, we hadn't seen anything leading up to that, which is weird. So hmm. I don't know. But I think that's part. His story is part of the theme of everybody needs to step up and get over their fears right. and take charge. Eugene had that going on and, you know, just everyone in Alexandria pretty much. Yeah, that's true. Uh, OK, Jason M., you've kind of already said you're number six, but do you have anything to add? Uh, no, it was the pilot episode. It was uh, I really I really liked it. So that was my number six. Cool. For me. Um, I think there's a couple of big elephants in the room here when it when it comes to to season six. You guys yeah. probably know <laughs> probably know kind of what I'm what I'm getting at, and I'm sure over the course of these lists, we'll get through at least well we'll get through both of them. Um, I call it the fan fiascos. The fan fiascos. Oh, that's right. a nice name. <laughs> that's pretty good. Um, we've been more prone to use the word debacle. But uh, I don't know. We'll see. Uh, so I, I decided to start my list with one of them to just 
throw it out there, get it out of the way, and it is the Glenn debacle for uh, me. Yeah. Glenn's not dead. <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> what? Well, he may be. Yeah. He may be. <laughs> I don't know. He might well, be now. Well, maybe now. Right. Right. But I'm talking about back in the first half of the season when he was when he should have been dead, but turns out he wasn't three three episodes later. Scampered under the dumpster. He sure <laughs> did. So, you know, I a lot of people I mean, I was I was upset at the time and and it affected honestly, the whole thing affected my my viewpoint towards the next couple of episodes. But, you know, now that we've had some time, uh I've I've sort of come to terms with it and I've, I've rewatched, I think the Glenn thing happened in episode three, three, yeah, three. So four five and six or whatever it was where we had the Morgan episode and stuff like that. I've rewatched them and I can really appreciate that episode a lot more than I did at the time. My mind was just clouded with rage for a little while. And I, you know, I should, I should have sort of stopped to think a bit, but um, my problem was not that, uh, that the show tried to do something different, tried to do something new, I you know I think what they were going for was something they hadn't done before a unique way of of telling their story and it's certainly not that I don't want characters to die on this show um I in some ways I do and in some ways I don't you know characters are going to die it's a zombie apocalypse um and I do want them to do unexpected things and try different things and so on the the problem Ultimately, I think for me with Glenn getting piled on by zombies and then hiding under a dumpster was just the way it was handled off the air yes. in, in real yes. life. Absolutely. You know? mm-hmm. And it, thinking back on it, and even at the time, it just feels like we were all manipulated a great deal and it was just kind of an whole, a big amateurish thing to do, right? Yeah. They, they took his name out of the credits. They didn't include him in the in memoriam section on AMC's Talking Dead show. Right. Immediately following. Gimple gave some weird speech. Yeah. I was just yeah. going to say immediately yeah. following the episode, Gimple released a statement. Yeah. You know, and and I think what they needed to do was just go with it. Be Lie. Like lie to us. Yeah. Yes. Just flat out lie. That would have been better. Glenn- Much like a character I won't name on a really popular show right now who. <laughs> I, I don't want to spoil, but just listen, freaking lied outright. I right? really, and yeah. that was I the really way to wanted to it. compare this to that show, but I know I think oh, at man. least I think one of us hasn't I, watched it. I haven't watched it. I think you may have spoiled me. <laughs> oh shit! I'm sorry. <laughs> well, it's That's Golden okay. Girls. I'm very, and, very uh, guilty of uh, releasing spoilers <laughs> and uh, and getting called on it regularly. So uh, this is the chance I take by being on a podcast. Wait, you haven't seen the leftovers yet? That is what know, we're talking I haven't about, seen the right? Leftovers. Yeah, yeah, we're, we're talking about Yeah, and I'm very NCIS. upset. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Jason, I told you to watch Leftovers. It's really good. Uh, yeah, I know. Um, it's great. Yes. So lie, lie to us. Like, do yes. all the stuff you do when a character is dead. And yes. I'm sure people would have continued to have theories, and there would have been lots of people online going, "Oh, Glenn's not dead. Come on, this is going to happen," or whatever, whatever. But at least. They need to stand behind what they're trying to do. And yes. I, I feel like AMC and everybody involved didn't really do that. They gave us this scene. They expected us, at least they claim that they expected us to think he was dead. But <laughs> yeah. then the the way they behaved was completely contrary to that. So it it they blew the whole thing, in my opinion. And, you know, I'm fine-ish with it now because I know Glenn came back and, you know, he's had good stuff to do in the rest of the season and so on but at the time i just don't think they they handled it very well so and and it was mm-hmm. it was the first time this kind of thing had happened 
on the show yeah to this degree anyways and uh yeah. and if they're gonna do this again i mean i guess they probably can't do it again they can't do the same thing again because... they did it a little bit with carol but she wasn't really a big prominent character remember in the prison she was gone for an episode mm-hmm. or two. Oh yeah and they found her in a cell yeah. right daryl found her yeah yeah but that's fine if you're Not gone if you're gone for an episode or two i mean there's mystery there we, no one ever claimed she was dead it's just like right. she's gone and you you have to come to your own conclusion and then they, there's a reveal yeah. here it's like he's dead but no he's not you know? No, and I have yeah. Scott Gimple's quote here. This was actually on my list as well. He has he said, "In some way, we'll see Glenn, some version of Glenn, or parts of Glenn again, <laughs> oh. either in a flashback or in the current story, to help complete the story." Wow! <laughs> Come on, Scott. Yeah. Well, we yeah. did. We did see parts of Glenn. We did. We sure did. <laughs> yeah, all parts. Uh, but you know, um, and and I, I mean, I couldn't agree with you more. Everything you just said. In fact, I think if they had handled the that stuff well that storyline would have been totally cool for with me i like when yeah like you said i like when they try new things so i i won't repeat everything said but the thing about them botching it so badly is it's like they're writers they 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 should be able to make up stories like the fact that they couldn't just go okay let's let's pretend that he really did die how would we handle that and then just roll that out the fact that they couldn't figure that out just I know this is kind of petty, but it makes me feel like less confident in them as writers of the show (laughs) a little bit. Yeah. And the talking dead. I mean, if you're going to have an after show like this, where the whole purpose is to kind of continue the, the fan conversation, then they should use it to help enhance the experience of the show. And the, and I do think the way to do that would have been to just, pretend that he really did die yeah instead they they took away from the experience of the show so that i think that was a big yeah mostly a talking dead failure it, it is and and <laughs> talking dead is is a tool right i mean and you know it's it's their show they're never going to be all that objective or whatever but if they if they look at it like a tool yes they're communicating with fans and so on but if they kind of use it the right way it can be it can be okay and i'm um i'm I'm much more actually into it now than I used to be a couple of years ago. I've, uh, <laughs> I don't want to go too much into it, but I used to really get bugged by Chris Hardwick and stuff like that. But I've been listening to his podcast, the Nerdist podcast, and I've actually really been enjoying it. So I'm, I'm much more of a fan of his now uh, than I used to be. And um, I think he does an okay job on that show for the position yeah. he's in, you know, being, you know, working for AMC, but also trying to, to do this show. But yeah, if if they're going to have this show, they should just kind of use it in the right way and they could have uh they could have made it something really cool but blew the whole thing, I thought. <laughs> yeah, because I actually did think he died that night. Did you? I went I went to bed thinking he died. And I woke up in the morning cuz I didn't see Talking Dead. Mm-hmm. I woke up in the morning and and heard and heard about everything that happened on Talking Dead and and, uh, you know, then people started speculating about the framing of that scene and how it could have been Nicholas, basically exactly what actually happened. Right. And uh, that's why when we came back and podcasted about it, I couldn't. I, we had to say, oh, we don't really think he's dead. <laughs> yeah. You know, in, in the moment, I did, too. Like I was sitting here, my wife and I, we were watching it and she's never read the comics, but I know information from the comics. And and like in the moment, I thought. Oh my God, I can't believe they're doing this. This is incredible. This is so shocking. And for like 
you know, for, well, 10 minutes or with the rest of the episode, I thought, that's amazing. I can't believe they killed Glenn. I mean, I'm, I'm sad, but, you know, this, this show is truly shocking and incredible. And then it all went out the window as, you know, as soon as 10 p.m. rolled around and Talking Dead came on. I never you thought know, for a second that he was dead. Neither Not did I. Even as soon as it's they started pulling the uh-huh. guts, uh, his intestines out of his chest, yeah. I knew that there's no way that yep. uh, that they would kill him. <laughs> intestines yeah, out of his chest, it, yeah. They did. That, well, that's what it looked like. It looked like they were pulling the intestines out of his chest. I'm like, yeah, that's Nicholas. <laughs> right. Yeah. And, and there's no way he would get that ignoble death. There's just yeah. no way that at this point they would have given that character. Anytime they send off a character that you have any sort of love for, they give them, you know, a significant death of some kind. And well, and, you know, and this was pretty. And this was pretty quick. And and anyway, I cheated mm-hmm. and I checked IMDb, and there he is back on the show on IMDb. So I'm like, aha, I knew it. <laughs> I remember you said that, and then but the thing is, IMDb is often just fans putting stuff in there <laughs> yeah so, but it worked goodness, for me this time <laughs> you believe it. but uh you know why i watched that scene again uh for this podcast and i it i forgot how great a scene it actually is i it, all the zombies crowded around the dumpster like it's like a zombie rock concert they're mm-hmm. reaching their hands up greg nicotero <laughs> in the front row <laughs> right <laughs> and With uh, a lighter <laughs> and glenn and uh and Nicholas up there and then the 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 it slows down to slow motion and the music is really sad and you know he goes to shoot himself and they fall in the crowd it was it was a great scene so i that it was really impactful and that's i believed that you know or i mean you know there was a little doubt like uh glenn you would think that he would have more to do before a scene like that but as far as a death scene in and of itself and then you get to see somebody get their guts all ripped out i thought it was a pretty big scene yeah i'm with you i i thought it was a really well done scene and i think that's why i was kind of invested into it um and uh what's his name who plays nicholas did a did an amazing job yeah you know and and they both did so i was i was on board at least for a little while um all right that's the glenn debacle karen back to you with your number (laughs) five okay so we're veering way off course (laughs) Um, But now we're towards the end and the whole season's gone by and I'm getting a little bit mad at uh, Robert Kirkman because I'm starting to feel like there's no good guys on the show. Everyone's a villain. They're they're going to, there's nobody they can possibly meet who's anyone but a psychopathic killer, right? Because there's been the wolves and there's been the saviors and I'm getting fed up. But wait. Not so fast. Who are the dudes on horseback? Who are the armored guys? And why are they so nice? And that for me was like a little spark of hope. And it makes me really eager for the coming season. I love a good mystery. This one looks awesome. They've got two of my favorite characters. They've got Carol and Morgan, both of whom I love. And I I just like the fact that they're a little bit different and they seem a little kinder and they've got a different thing going on. I was tired of everybody they meet a fucking psycho and, <laughs> and wants to just kill them, you know? But just when everyone seems awful, there's the promise that maybe there are some good people that are still out there. So that was my number, what is that, number five? five number five. Number five. Yep. Yeah, and it's a good point. Everyone seems like a real dick on this show these days. 
Yeah. <laughs> you know? Include, including the Alexandrians, quite frankly. I mean, not all of them, mm. but including, uh, you know, Rick, um, who's, if looking at it from a different perspective, he could be a bad guy. Yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah, yeah. For, well, totally. I mean, if we'd been following a different group and they encountered Rick, you know, all of a sudden, Rick would, even with almost no change to his actions, would come across as a, just a terrible yeah. person. Right. Like, I was uh, I was just on a panel with uh, Michael Trenor and Tyler James Williams, who played Noah and Nicholas. It was called the Revolving Doors panel. It was awesome. <laughs> the Revolving Door Brother panel. <laughs> and, oh, that's uh, so funny. And it was really fun to see them talking about that. And, and I, I showed this... Uh, this photo that shows Michael Trenor pointing at a TV that has Noah getting eaten on it. And Michael Trenor's laughing. Ha ha. (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, anyways, Noah, uh, Tyler James Williams said that he, you know, when he was at the hospital and you see this guy, Rick show up ready to kill everyone. That's all, you know, of this guy Mm -hmm. is here. He is to kill us. Right. Yeah. <laughs> That's what he does. He shows up and everything yeah. goes to shit and he ends up killing half <laughs> yeah. the people. Right? Yeah. Um, another thought that occurred to me sort of along those, these lines, though, is that it's funny how quickly your opinion can change of a character, too, right? Even though everyone seems like a villain. Like, think about how much we hated uh, Nicholas because he got Noah killed in that revolving door but then in the scene with glenn where he kills himself you almost feel bad for the guy right he's completely kind of lost his mind Mm -hmm. at least i did anyways um they can they can change the viewer's feelings on a character so fast it seems like yeah and that's the nice thing about a show that goes on many years like this one has we get Mm -hmm. to know them i mean no and nobody's evolved more than carol i won't uh Mm -hmm. get to that right now but because she's one of my choices but yeah they with a a show that goes on multiple years you get to see and grow you know see the character grow and develop and and change Mm -hmm. and that's not to jump into this too much because it's one of my later points too but the whole thing with morgan and eastman about how everybody has potential all life has potential that's an illustration of that you know nicholas would have been somebody that i would have killed because if yeah. if he treated me the way he treated Glenn, basically tried to kill Glenn when Glenn was trying to help him, I would have had no problem if Glenn turned around and, and killed him right in that moment. And I'm 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 one of the more uh, pacifist kinds of fans of the show. But anyway, so he did sort of turn around. I mean, kind of ended up being uh, not you know kind of a incompetent anyway but at least you could tell that he was really really trying to turn things around so you had more compassion for him yeah maybe i just am able to forget past transgressions really quickly for some reason i don't know why because you're right when in that scene where he he tries to kill glenn i wouldn't have blamed glenn at all if he just turned around and shot him in the head and said you know that's what you get but yeah (laughs) but uh he didn't and then glenn tried to sort of help him back which says a lot about glenn too um but then and then in the end i i i mean i i wasn't totally on board with nicholas but i did sort of feel for him a little bit so they're good at that sometimes yeah uh jason number five let's see uh well we covered half of it because this is my fan fiascos 
Um, right. And we talked about Glenn's death, which I don't consider a fiasco in and of itself. I actually, I, I you know what? I kind of wonder what if they had handled it right, where we really did think that he was dead. Let's say we were 85% sure. Oh shit. They just killed Glenn off. Mm-hmm. Oh, well forget about that character. And then three, four episodes later, he comes back I'm like, maybe I would have felt jerked around more then. Yeah. <laughs> like, hey, you just made me feel like but I don't I don't know. I would like to think that I would appreciate the novelty of this, you know, if they did that over and over again, then it would be really stupid. But to just to do it one time with this one major character I thought was actually pretty cool. Um but then the other one, of course, it, and I think they really had balls to do this after they tried something like that and it just had such a horrible reaction with the fans. They turn around and build up this villain for several episodes and they have actors talking about how the finale made them want to throw up in their sleep or whatever because it was so horrifying. And then they just end it without anybody getting killed. <laughs> throw up in their sleep? <laughs> You don't want to throw up in your sleep. No. <laughs> no, I mean, that, that's not exact. They would say, uh, like, Rick, um, Andrew Lincoln said he couldn't sleep. And I think somebody said they oh, threw yeah. up. I don't know. I remember hearing sure, but... that, too. It just, like, it was yeah. nauseating and stuff like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes, so, exactly. Um, and that one, I, I think... Just because in in the comic it, it was not a cliffhanger and it was so powerful, I think it would have been better for the storytelling if they would have done the same thing in the show. But I'm not as upset about that as uh, in the moment. I was like, what the fuck? What are you doing? <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but you know, when I thought about it, I'm like, yeah, that's how you feel at the end of any cliffhanger. And then you want to know what's going to happen. I mean, usually you want to know how people are going to get out of a situation, not like which one didn't get out. But so it's a little bit more of a downer, but uh, I don't know. I'm not as down on it as, as most people are. I can say that I'm not as down on it now as I was at the time. And even in the few weeks after it, it took me, it took me a while to kind of get over that. Um, one of the things that has kind of helped me a little bit, um, and of course this is going to be a point on my list later on, but one of the things I'll say right now that has helped me a bit is um some of Robert Kirkman's comments in the media since then have actually kind of made me feel a little bit better about it. And um, I was listening to him on another podcast and he was saying things like, you know, I don't know if it was a mistake. You know, we we, we wanted to do something. This was the plan all along. And um, he said, you know, I'm I still like it. I'm very happy with it. But maybe it was a mistake. We don't we don't know yet. We'll find out. And then the other thing he said is, you know, he 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 had to acknowledge the fact that people were upset about it. He couldn't just ignore that. He didn't want to be so arrogant that he just said that he didn't get on there and say, I don't care what anyone thinks. Um, you know, this is is what it is. And this is how we are. We're doing things. He actually said, you know, I acknowledge people were upset and I can't ignore that. And it does affect me and everybody involved in the show. So um, at the very least, it made me, it kind of reassured me that at least they are trying their best almost in a way, you know? Um, But I mean, there's other things that, that other people involved in the show have said that have kind of swung it the other way for me, but uh, um, maybe it's a little bit of perspective after this long. And also just with him kind of coming out and saying, 
things like that that it's it's helped a little bit but uh that one um is less of a fan fiasco for me but i'll get into that a bit later uh, you know i i don't agree with you chris that uh that it's gotten better over time i still am raging against this whole thing i think they <laughs> definitely missed the mark with uh with this being a cliffhanger rather than a, a holy shit moment and uh you know, after I was rewatching the entire season uh, in the last week or so, and when I watched this, I thought of an alternate scenario that I thought would have been excellent. Mm-hmm. Uh, so imagine, if you will, if we thought that Glenn did die, only to show up in this episode with Negan and then have uh, have Glenn killed by Negan uh, and, uh, uh, and <laughs> right at that moment. Just to, like, we think he's dead. And right. we've gone through the entire rest of the season wow. going, holy crap, they killed off Glenn. And and then have this reveal of Glenn showing up in the last moments of the episode only to be beaten to death with a bat. That so he's been only great. on screen for about 30 seconds? Yeah. Maybe, you know, just that last <laughs> speech. You know, when they pull everybody out of the van? Meaty, meaty, mighty, mo. Oh, my God, there's sure. Glenn. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What's he doing there? <laughs> so they could have, in, in, in my mind, if they had done those two things... Both of these uh, these fan fiascos would have been wrapped up in a nice, neat bow, Taking and I would have liked other. it. That's hilarious. Mm. I, I'm I'm not totally against that idea. Yeah, me neither. Me neither. Totally. <laughs> <laughs> I, I it would have been brutal and hilarious. It, yeah. it would have been. It would have. You would have had like the oh my god moment of Glenn being pulled out of that van after not seeing him for it would have been ten or more episodes or whatever. And then only to be beaten to death. You're right. That could have been really, really in, cra- in, in crazy, I was going to say. Really crazy. What a <laughs> yeah. crazy. So at this point, who do you guys all think? Just who's your top pick for who it is? Glenn. For me, um, my, my original top pick was Abraham, but I've actually changed it in the last week to Michonne. Oh, interesting. Well, She's a oh, Broadway... Michonne. Uh, successful broad Broadway playwright. That's part of it, to be yeah. honest. You know, yeah. she's having a great deal of, of success oh and, and her, her career on Broadway. And yeah. uh, and uh, my next point actually um, has a little bit more about that. But but before I do that, uh, Jason and Jason, who do you guys think? I I think I'm right now. I'm I'm with Abraham. I'm uh, I'm landing on Abraham. Interesting. Me too. And. And I'll be disappointed if it is him because after, if they are going to make it a big cliffhanger like this and make us wait, then I feel like it should be Glenn or Maggie or somebody mm-hmm. top A level tier. And I think Abraham's B level tier. Yeah, <laughs> I think they're going to. I, I think they're going to wimp out on this and yeah. uh, give us someone who's not that significant. It could be Eugene too. I think it's either Abraham oh, or Eugene. I hope it's not Eugene. I Interesting. You don't think it's Glenn, huh, Jason Cabasso? Oh God, no, no, it's not Glenn. Um, no, I don't think it's Glenn, no. Isn't he in a big movie? He was yeah. cast in something. I forget what it is now. Um, well, here's the thing is I thought that movie was filming at the same time as Walking Dead, but it turns out that's not true. Ah, yeah. so. very interesting. Yeah. I, I agree with you. I think Abraham is, is a, is a B-level character and they're, they're going to want to go or you would think they would go with an A-level, but I'm not so sure i also think that it 
maybe it's just not going to play out how we expect. You know, maybe maybe he's going to kill two people or or maybe something's going to happen and he doesn't kill someone at that very moment. Although we do see the perspective of the person being. Yeah, it looks like he kills the cameraman. It does Um, seem like someone's dying, but I don't know. Maybe he kills one of his own people. Maybe he does. (laughs) Um, Quick lightning round. Um, Who do you hope it is? Like, who do you hope? Lightning round. Michonne. Yeah, I'm kind of with Michonne. Jason? Uh, Judith. No, I'm just kidding. I don't know. <laughs> She's not there. You're a monster. <laughs> That's what... You uh, can't kill a baby Tr- on TV. Michael Trenor said during his panel, we're like, who do you think it is? He's all Judith. And then um, Tyler James Williams said, it's everyone. <laughs> yeah. He just kills them all. And he then, just yeah, goes crazy. Get a new cast. <laughs> Start over. Start, Start I over. Hope it's, I hope it's Glenn. Glenn is still one of my favorite characters on the show, but it would just really do the story justice, I feel like. You're a monster. (laughs) (laughs) I love you, though. Oh, man. Well, we've only got five more months or whatever to wait to find out, so we'll get to it. Uh, My number five is the relationships that cropped up in uh, this season. And by that, I, I mean... The, actually, the romantic relationships. I think there was way more romance going on in this season than ever before. I started making a list of all the people that were together, and I came up with, or, you know, together in one way or another. And I came up with Rick and Jesse, Rick and Michonne, Abraham and Rosita, then Abraham and Sasha, then Rosita and Spencer, briefly, Carol and Tobin, Denise and Tara. And to, you know, little hints maybe of Carl and Enid. And then the one that I really had to struggle for was David and Betsy. David was the guy who they were, <laughs> they were walking back with and wrote a note to his wife. And then he, oh, got, yeah. he got eaten at the fence and dropped the note. Um, but making that list, I'm like, man, they really got a lot of characters together, even if it was just briefly in this season. Um, and I think, you know... I'm not sure why exactly there was this emphasis on kind of romantic relationships, but uh, I think maybe for me anyways, they were trying to say that despite all the chaos that's going on around them and everything that's happening, that the characters still sort of felt this need for companionship and to get together and so on. And someone like Carol, who I know she had Ed way back in season one, but never really anything since then, even she was with, with Tobin. And uh, I think it, was trying to imply that they were somewhat comfortable in Alexandria for a little while. And uh, I kind of liked it, actually, Um, despite the fact that I thought Rick and Michonne had like zero romantic chemistry (laughs) on screen. um, I was much more a fan of Rick and Jesse, to be honest. Um, But uh, it was it was interesting to see all these romantic relationships. Abraham was really cruel to to Rosita. And then I wasn't so sure if Sasha was going to sort of be on board with, with getting together with them. Denise and Tara were actually my favorite couple on the show. I think this season they were, they were great. I felt it was the most genuine and like real relationship Two people that were like really found each other and fell in love, you know? And uh, Mm -hmm. then it's so sad when Denise is killed and and doubly sad because Tara still has no idea. And I assume we're going to, we're going to get, she's going to find out in season seven and it's going to just be a heartbreaking scene, you know? Cause she's, she's on a mission with Noah. She's on a mission having a baby. Yeah. yeah. 
Uh, and uh, Alana Masterson wait. was pregnant in real life, so she she's no, gone for no, a while. Noah's dead. Heath. Oh, sorry. So Heath. Heath, Heath. Heath. Yeah. And that actor was in uh, Straight Outta Compton. Yep. Yes. He he's played, wonderful. Who did he play? Uh, I forget now. I didn't see the movie. Not Doctor Dre. Um, Ice Cube, I think. Okay. Anyways, um, I think I wonder glasses. if he's like. If he is going to stay with the show, because maybe he's going to be a big star. I don't know. I also heard he was cast in this new 24 show they're doing, so oh. he might not actually be around on Walking Dead too much. Just too bad, because I like him on there. I want to see more of him. Yeah, he was yeah. a great uh, Heath. You know, he was yeah. amazing, so I, w- I wanted to see more of him, too. Um, Glasses. Yeah. Anyways, lots of romantic relationships, more than in any other season, I think, anyways. but. Yes. Uh, um, they were they were doing they were doing a, a ton of it, um, and uh, and it was nice. But as things go on this show, everything tends to fall apart. So, <laughs> so I, I mean, I feel like this season was one of was one of the most brutal at times and intense. And uh, it's it is interesting. That was one of my points too. And it's interesting to look back and realize that there was also. I think it's yeah pretty clear there were there was more love connections going on mm-hmm. than in any other season. Yeah. I had a couple like I I listed mine out almost in the same order that you did too. Rick and Jesse was interesting because he killed her husband Pete, and so Pete's son Ron hated him for that. So there yep. was all that tension. I didn't think they had chemistry though, and I Rick and Michonne. I'm not sure whether I think they have chemistry, but for me, I think it's like seeing two friends that you've had for a long time suddenly get together. Yes. And it's, it's weird. And I hope I get used to it because I actually had been wanting them to get together because I think they had some good moments on screen that made me think, oh, maybe there could be something there. But then once they finally did get together, it's like, oh, I feel like I shouldn't be watching this. Well, yeah, it does. It feels like they have great on-screen chemistry as friends, actually. Yeah. The two of them and or like zombie killers, right? Like they're really good in those action scenes and and as friends and, and, you know, people. They seem connected. They seem connected Mm -hmm. and they work really well together. But as soon as that couch scene came and they started making out, it was like, oh, my God, this is so awkward. What are you doing, you guys? I agree. (laughs) Why are you doing that? Yeah. And then Abraham and Sasha equally, like, I don't think um, Sonequa Martin-Green believes in this relationship i could be wrong i probably am but it seems like there's so many scenes where abraham's flirting with sasha and sasha has this look on her face like she's really distressed or shaking her head or making a disgusting Mm -hmm. disgusted face it doesn't seem like she likes him to me although at Uh, that last i think it might be the last scene we see like this with them where he's outside her house and he says something about we could be here for 40 more years or whatever, 30 more years. And I want to be with you. I, I felt like she sort of let him in at that point, yeah. not, you know, yeah. literally There's into the house, moments. but also into her life, <laughs> into her heart. Right. And then, uh, Tobin and Carol, I actually liked what I liked the most about that is that she, you, you kind of, this is revealed out of the blue. You didn't know what was going on. And then within a few minutes, she calls him a jerk and an asshole which I think is her way of showing true love. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, she really didn't let him in either fully. Because I like that she let herself have that and enjoy it, but 
you know, we learn that she feels too damaged and just wants to go into self-exile. So she, she abandons him. And then just wanted to say about Denise and Tara, I noticed that their first scene together, uh, Tara calls Denise Dana. Are you okay, Dana? It's Denise. And then Tara <laughs> is her first patient. So that was their first meeting. But I agree. They were a super cute couple. They so were. It's a pickup technique, isn't it? To uh, to subtly insult somebody or call them by the wrong name. <laughs> is it true? I think it is. I think oh, it's, yeah. a, it's, it's a subtle pickup technique. You yeah. guys like that, huh? It gets someone's attention oh, if you use the it. wrong name. Right? <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Uh, I don't know, Bill. <laughs> Wait, Ooh. what? I sense the electric tension. And did you notice that everybody on the show tends to hook up at the same time? Like whenever we have a love scene of some kind, it's uh, everybody has their love scene at the exact same time. They just cut from one to the other. Like with Glenn and Maggie and then... Yeah, it was Rick yeah. and Michonne, Glenn and Maggie... Uh, everybody was getting together at exactly the same time. I find that, that this is not unique to The Walking Dead, that a lot of shows will do that. It's just like, everybody has sex now. and it's just... <laughs> <laughs> They pan out, all the zombies are coupling off. <laughs> this is the sex time. Everybody goes that's for it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Uh, all right. Where are we? Are we back to Karen with number... Uh, well, I didn't have a number five, but that's uh, that's okay because actually uh, uh, two of the items on my list have been taken care of. It was uh, the Glenn's not dead and uh, the tragic and horrific death of, well, someone. Did you? Did I skip you? <laughs> I skipped yeah, you, didn't I? You, you totally skipped me, but that's okay. I didn't have a unique one. I haven't had a unique one yet. I'll, I'll get there eventually. I'm such a jerk. I You'd think this would be such an easy thing to do, count down you know, amongst some people, but once you start talking, you just lose track of what the hell's going on. It, it's hard. <laughs> we know. That's why they pay us the big bucks. Oh, that's, that's right. That's right. <laughs> it's okay, Bill. It's all going to, you know. <laughs> it's all right, Bill. <laughs> Good. Okay. All right, so so, so now I'm going to skip ahead and uh, remember, if you will, episode number 13, which is called The Same Boat. So this is the one where um, Rick has led this raid on, he'd made the deal with the Hilltop community saying, hey, we'll, um, we'll get some food from you guys if we agree to kill Negan. So in a, I think, terrible move strategically and i think uh that was shown to be the case they went ahead and just and um did this attack on a uh weird little compound that they thought was where negan was and as it turns out it wasn't but anyway carol and maggie are captured and they are brought to this warehouse and they are, um, it felt like a play. It was so interesting. It mostly took place in this one room and it was very theatrical feeling. And it was a very female-centric uh, episode, which is pretty unique for The Walking Dead. The It's really all about the, um, the Alexandrian women, uh, Maggie and Carol, and the, um, the savior women. And it was such an tense, brutal, but great episode focusing on these women. And it was um, it was great, too, because Carol and Maggie end up rescuing themselves. Mm-hmm. And not only that, they dispatched all of their captors and even the saviors coming to help the other ones. They they burn those suckers, too. And and then they, of course, focus on the toll that it takes and it takes quite a toll on Maggie and Carol. But 
man, they were badasses in this episode. It was such an interesting, cool episode. I rated it really high um, because I hadn't seen anything really like that. So there it is. Yeah, it, did, it was, was a great Was that the episode. one you covered with David or did I cover that episode? I mean, You idiot. might have <laughs> been. No, 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 you're not. I, I was away for you a while. You were away. Shocker, but, yeah, because it was episode yeah. 13, right? So would that yeah, have I been would that have been the one that no maybe, maybe you we were did it away a day later or something i was yeah. away i remember seeing yeah it there was uh, one all the walker Stalker people anyways um all you're so, sure of is you weren't you were away at some point yeah <laughs> i know i didn't yeah i know i saw that with a bunch of other people what did you think of the of alicia witt who played paula oh i hated her <laughs> the, but that's just personal. character or the, the part i the love actress. her i can't stand her stupid voice I really? never could. I can't. I can't. I hate looking at her. I hate listening to her. Everything she's ever been in, I've turned off. Except <gasps> the for this Sopranos? episode. Yeah. Every oh. episode that. <laughs> yeah, but that's just. It's a personal thing. I have. Uh, you know, as, as far as the character goes, I think it. Uh, if it had been played by somebody else, I'm sure I would have enjoyed it. I I couldn't decide whether at points I thought, oh, this is really good. It's like this David Mamet delivery and it's kind of artful. And other times I'm like, man, she seems really stilted and I don't know if I'm buying this. So I couldn't decide. I know some people in the room that I was in, half the people just loved her. And there was one guy just going, this is awful. This is awful. Just like you. So she seems to, yeah, bring up different things. Divisive. I liked her. I was okay with her. I really liked the episode too. So, um, and I thought she contributed a, a lot to it. Uh, but I don't have the uh, personal hatred for her that uh, you seem to, Jason. <laughs> it's not hatred. It's just a strong dislike. Oh, okay. Sorry. <laughs> um, but it was a really good episode. It was one of, it was one of those kind of kind of bottle episodes, right? One location, just right. dealing with a subset of the characters. Um, and I think The Walking Dead has been pretty good at its bottle episodes over the years, and this was yep. another another example. And it was fun that it involved just a lot of the women. So really, really good one. You know what I loved about it the most is um, thinking back aside from them lighting up that kill floor and killing everybody. That was pretty awesome. But uh, (laughs) just Carol, you know, doing her whole hyperventilating and grabbing onto that cross, which she then later used to cut herself free. And so you were wondering the whole time or, uh, you know, I think everybody's first thought was there she goes again. She's a good pretender just pretending to be meek in order to get out. But then it was pretty clear that it wasn't all pretending. Mm -hmm. And then you start to wonder how much of it was maybe not very much. And I really love that. I think that was the intent where you think you you, you just, it slowly starts dawning on you. Oh shit. She actually is really suffering from having, you know, all of this PTSD. Yeah. Yeah. It makes Carol one of the, the deepest characters on the show. And I know some people are a little, Carol fatigued in a way, but, and, and I've gone through that. Like there are moments where I think, uh, you know, I'm tired of Carol's act kind of thing, her house, housewife sort of act in Alexandria. Um, but when, then we get stuff like this and it's amazing. So yeah, she's evolving, which is good. She is continuing to evolve. That's true. Yeah. All right. Number, uh, Jason, number four, I guess. Mine was all that love connection stuff, which we covered pretty well. Okay, cool. Love connection. Jason M., do you have a unique one this time? Well, I do not actually have a unique one. So uh, what I'm going to do is I'm just going to rattle off a few of my honorable mentions. All right. Do it. Uh, <laughs> so uh, actually, it's, Carol's got something up her sleeve, which is uh, in the last episode, she had a, <laughs> a machine gun up her sleeve somehow. 
And actually, I'm going to focus on Carol because we uh, saw her. Do you do you realize early in that episode we saw her sewing it in? But yeah. we yes, didn't know. we did. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, we did. It's absolutely ridiculous, but uh, yeah. it does. Uh, you know, we did have a little bit of uh, foreshadowing of uh, what's going to happen there. And uh, you know, talking about Carol, I really enjoyed. Uh, I, I did enjoy her uh, playing the the, little, the housewife, making the cookies and bringing them around for everybody, and the music montage it took to make those cookies out of what was it, acorn and beets, right? Uh, Delicious. That she collected. And uh, another another item that I'm just going to throw in here that was my in my honor, honorable mention section was the uh, the casserole when the uh, when the wolves attacked. <laughs> yes, How celery they set soup the timer. Yeah, when they set the timer, and uh, you know the wolves attacked, and then ding, casserole's done, and the wolf <laughs> attack is over. Yeah, <laughs> and that whole episode was a juxtaposition of mundane suburban life just turned up on its head because you saw her exchanging recipes with women and then 10 minutes later those women were being hacked to death yes yeah. that's uh when the wolves yeah. first attacked the uh, the yeah. woman that was smoking that carol had just reamed out for smoking because it's gross and bad for you uh she this woman's out smoking and then all of a sudden gets hacked to pieces right, right. before carol and now nice. carol's a smoker yeah that's right <laughs> well yeah <laughs> that i that's funny that's one of the bits i i rewatched the other day making this list and that was one of the most surprising just single moments of the whole thing because you don't really know anything's going on and Carol is just making something in there looking out the window and then out of nowhere she gets chopped down and and she falls to the ground and then the guy machetes her in the head like it's a pretty act- brutal kill actually it is um and it started a whole chain of events of course but uh that was a it, it, funny scene it, it was so yeah it was so abrupt it almost felt like something out of a naked gun movie or something <laughs> yeah or to me it's like did that did that really just happen like did carol yeah. just imagine that you know and then yeah i know huh and then you know when rewatching it the other day i noticed something i i don't think i really did before but you see a guy at the up on the wall look keeping watch and then this molotov cocktail just engulfs him mm-hmm. it's like holy shit that was a that was one of my favorite scenes uh, as horrific as it was of the season. It really set it apart from anything we've seen before on the show. I thought that was the, just the whole, the whole attack of the wolves. Yeah. The, the guy on the wall, that was, he gets lit on fire and then falls off. Right. I think so. Yeah. 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 That was very, very cool. Always like to see people fall off the wall. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if you're going to have a fire. wall, you got to fall off. It. <laughs> Somebody has to fall off it. at some point. Humpty Dumpty. Yeah. He's, exactly. He's the best. <laughs> well, <laughs> All right. Wait, did Jason, did you do all your? No, I didn't. I was just picking, I was just picking a smattering just so I could be unique okay. for a little while. Did you have anything else? <laughs> no. Okay. I might pull some out later, depending on how it goes. All right. Very good. Well, I've got, I've got one more here, I guess my number four, and it's probably a, a quick one because we've, we've touched on it a little bit, but just the, the Morgan episode. Uh, I think I already said that I was turned off by this one a little bit, but it was because of my feelings about the Glenn thing that happened in the episode before. And I realize now that's not really fair to this episode in a way. Um, it's hard to, you know, I mean, it is an ongoing story. So they one episode does affect the next and so on and so on. But given perspective and given time, I really appreciate this Morgan backstory episode that we got in the first half of the season. And, you know, watching it again, it's uh, Lenny James is so good. And John Carroll Lynch, the guy that played Eastman, was also so good. And it was a pretty fascinating little story um, about what Morgan went through between uh, 
leaving Georgia, I guess, and heading heading north. So um, I'm still not sure it really needed to be a 90 minute episode. Um, but then again, I usually want as much Lenny James as I can get. So I don't think the length was that big a deal. And it uh, it is one of the one of the better episodes, another bottle episode, I guess. And yep. uh, like I said, The Walking Dead is really good. Seems to be really good at those. I love when Lenny James. I'd watch him reading a grocery list. Me too. <laughs> Me too. And John Carroll Lynch. He was oh, the yeah. actor who played Eastman. He was amazing. He was just a one-off character, but made a huge impact. The cheesemaker. That's right. The cheesemaker. <laughs> and his his impact is is as you said is huge. is huge. It's far-reaching because I mean Morgan is yeah. now building a cell in Alexandria, right? Which is right. what so he we learned. Have choices. From Yes, we can imprison people instead of killing them, I think is what he's going for. Right, right. Who knows where that's going to lead. But That uh, was, honestly, Here's Not Here was my, was my number one choice for this entire list. I thought that was the best episode, um, one of the best episodes of the entire um, series. Um, I thought it was... It was amazing because it's such a. I thought it was a beautiful story. I got, I cried, and I will cry every single time I've seen it. I've seen it like three or four times now, and I cry every single time because it's so beautiful on the themes of redemption and getting a second chance. Oh my god, yeah. it's great. the <laughs> The symbolism of the unlocked prison. You know, the door was never locked, Morgan. It, you could have walked out any time. Oh my god, it is incredible. So, so well done. Yep. The whole thing taught me a lesson. Just, you know, look at each episode as, as, uh, with as open mind as possible kind of thing too, but they did a good job. And the goat, yep. what was the goat's name? Oh, she was lovely. She had a female name. Yeah. I Tabitha. 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 That's right. <laughs> that's yeah. Good. His goat friend. His goat friend. I'm leaning yeah. towards getting a pet goat. You are, eh? Yeah. Because why they're, not for the po- podcast awards? No, just cute. just just for having a pet goat. I think they'd be really cute, jumping on things and uh, you know eating anything that they can get their hands on. Well, do it this weekend so we can take pictures of it and win the podcast award <laughs> and get a yeah. baby. And, oh yeah, um, baby goats. Yes, <laughs> and I hope that if you make cheese, that it tastes more like goat cheese and less like astroturf. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Isn't that what he said? It's something yeah. like that. Yeah, he's like, oh, this is awful. I knew a guy that had a chicken in the city, a city chicken. Not Which allowed. I'm not sure is allowed, but he <laughs> That's did. Illegal. Well, he had one. My neighbors have chickens. Is that I legal loved it. down there? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, cool. I I loved it that during the whole wolf attack, I think it was Gabriel or somebody asked Morgan, "How did you How did you learn that?" And he goes, "From a cheesemaker." And then we're like, "What did he say?" <laughs> yeah. Did what? he say cheesemaker? He said peacemaker, right? <laughs> no, I think he said cheesemaker. No, nobody could really Lesson believe. Lesson are the cheesemakers. Yeah, no one could really believe he, he said cheesemaker because it made so little sense at the time. Cheesemaker? <laughs> yeah. The fuck? And like, I even thought that the closed captioning must be wrong. He didn't say cheesemaker, did he? Yeah. <laughs> you know? And given what we know about that whole story, the cheesemaking was kind of a small part of it. I think Morgan yes. was being very unhelpful with that answer. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think he was a cheesemaker. If, uh, you know, a... Uh, a was Aikido it a correctional ex- psychologist or something like that? Yeah. Aikido expert. There's I think he was a. I think he was a cheese attempter. Like he was. It wasn't great, but he was trying. This oh, guy who made cheese, cheese once. True. Yeah, that's right. I made it. I learned it from this guy who made cheese this one time. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't very good. That's right. 
All right. Well, that's uh, that's the first half of our our lists, everyone. So um, we have a little bit more podcast to do here on The Talking Dead, Jason and I. But the second half of this list is going to be over on The Walking Dead cast. Uh, Second half, first half, depends on how you look at it. Number three, two, and one will be over on The Walking Dead cast. So to hear that, everyone make sure you you visit uh, walkingdeadcast.com or search on iTunes for it and and listen to us over there. Um, Thanks so much, you guys. Yeah, thank thank you. you. Thank you. Always fun. Always, always fun. Um, And uh, I'm sure we'll do it again next year after season seven. But, of course, we're not done here yet, so everyone go listen to the other half of this list. Um, And uh, we will talk to you soon. Super fun. All right, we are back. That was a ton of fun. It's always a fun time to record with them uh, and do our our season wrap-ups. But before we end the podcast here for this week, uh, there's something I want to talk about that is kind of related to the lists. Not not really. I mean, it's more than I would bring up when we were, were talking about the lists, but it has to do with the season finale. And a number of listeners were asking me if we were going to address this, and I thought, no better time than right now. So, Jason, are you intrigued? Uh, yeah, I'm, as in, I'm intrigued as, uh, as in I really don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> well, here's what it is. So, Robert Kirkman, you know him. He's the creator of The Walking Dead. After the season finale and all the uh, hubbub around it, he printed sort of some comments in the back of one of the issues, one of the comic issues. Yeah. Um, basically f- sort of framed as an apology almost. And I'm going to read it. It's a little long, but I'm going to read the whole thing. And I, I just want to talk about it for a minute because I think I have some thoughts and I'm pretty sure you will have some thoughts as well. So here's what J- uh, here's what Robert Kirkman wrote in the back of one of the Walking Dead comics. He said, Okay, the season six finale has certainly caused a fervor online. Everyone is talking about it. Some people love it. Some people are indifferent. Some people hate it. We weren't trying to game the audience. We weren't trying to drive you crazy. And we certainly weren't trying to force you to come back for season seven. We hope you will. You were always planning on doing that and still plan on doing that. We did want you to talk and talk you are. The speculation, the frustration, the possibilities, the theories, honestly, in my mind, that stuff is fun. I honestly feel like that's something fun for the fans to do during the break. Was it Spencer? Could it have been Morgan? What about Carol? Did Negan kill Jesus? Note, none of them were there. I'm not giving anything away. (laughs) I know people are angry over this, but that wasn't our intent. The idea was that after six seasons of a show, we wanted to stay on your mind and give you something to talk about. And think of it this way. 
a character you love and are going to miss is dead. And we gave you an extra few months to hope, not to grieve. Is that uncertain? Is there uncertainty? Yes. But that was kind of the idea. But seriously, everyone on the Walking Dead team wanted to do something cool. We wanted to do something different, and we did it to change things up, get people excited, and keep this show on your mind. For some of you, that effort backfired, and you're angry. And for that, I'm sorry. The only thing I can promise you is that the Season 7 premiere is going to be awesome. And when viewed as a two-part episode, the same way every season of Star Trek The Next Generation ended with the first half of a two-part episode that was a cliffhanger, it's going to be a pretty awesome ride. And every minute of the Season 6 finale was important and was setting something up that you probably won't see coming. It's a cool episode. And remember, there's a lot more for Negan to do. Be afraid. Be very afraid. And excited. So that's Robert Kirkman, Kirkman's comments. Um, before I get into it, do you have any initial thoughts after hearing that? Well, there's a lot to digest there. There's a, there's a lot going on. He's kind of explaining his point of view, which is nice to hear. But the uh, you know the promise of it being awesome and uh, the best thing that's ever going to be shown on television mm-hmm. is is typical bullshit. Yeah. Uh, and he's, he's not really saying anything. So I think he's kind of covering and trying to uh, get the audience back in, in his good graces or yes. get back into the audience's good graces. Yeah. Yeah. My initial feeling about this and, you know, earlier on here, I did mention about how some of the things Robert Kirkman has said, not in these comments particularly, but some of the things he's said um, have kind of made me feel better about it. These comments don't make me feel better in any way, to be honest. In fact, when I first read this, it just aggravated me even more because on one hand, he's trying to tell us how to feel, right? He's trying to say, uh, what does he say? Um, You know, he says, a character you love and are going to miss is dead. And we gave you a few extra months to hope, not to grieve, like they're doing us a favor. Yeah. And that just really, really pissed me off. Is there uncertainty? He says, yes, but that was kind of the idea. Nothing wrong with some uncertainty, I suppose, but you can't tell your audience that they should be excited instead of angry. Um, and that, that really kind of bothered me. Um, now, on the other hand, you know, uh, he's he said that, they didn't have any sort of, you know, malicious intent, obviously. We weren't trying to force you to come back for season seven, which I wouldn't have thought anyways, really. Um, even though I can be a little bit cynical and kind of think like, well, they're doing this for ratings. They're doing it so the season, you know, at least they ensure people tune into the season seven premiere and stuff like that. But, you know, hopefully that's that's not the case. But the biggest problem is he just kind of said, you know what, it's going to be great. And it doesn't matter kind of how you feel right now. We want you to talk. Yeah. It's, uh, it seems a little cheap and I'm, I'm inclined to just forget that I ever heard that. (laughs) Well, I'm sorry, but I had to bring it up. (laughs) (laughs) That's all right. Um, and then, uh, and then the other thought I had here and, uh, is that, You know, we want you to talk and talk you are, Um, you know, the speculation, the frustration, the possibilities, the theories, he says that stuff is fun. The problem is I don't understand how 
everyone involved in the making of The Walking Dead can look at us talking about it like this in such a negative context as a good thing. I mean, I guess they say even bad publicity is good publicity. Yeah, right? well, that, that, that's what I was going to say is that people say there's no such thing as bad press, but there really, there really is. Well, there is, I think. And, and I mean, imagine how incredible it would be if everyone was talking about this episode in a positive light, you know, and instead of such a negative light. And I know not everyone is, there are people, I guess, out there that think it was great and really did love it. And there's probably millions and millions of those people who aren't quite as vocal as, you know, us idiots who talk about it every week and people who write about it and so on. So I'm sure there are people that did love it, but if the overwhelming sentiment was a positive one and people were talking about how fantastic it was instead of how frustrating it was, I just can't see how that isn't a better, a better outcome. Yeah. You know? Um, and, well, and he, he, he said that, uh, you know, Star Trek, the next generation, uh, every season finale was a two-parter with the season premiere of the next season. But, uh, it strikes me that, uh, Star Trek, the next generation did it right. Because I don't remember ever being pissed off at a, at a, uh, at a next generation season finale. I always left them going, holy crap, that was awesome. I can't wait to find out what happens next season. Yeah, I mean, it didn't happen here. No, and it was a little bit of a different era, too. I mean, one, the internet wasn't around in the same form, so people couldn't immediately go on Twitter and every other platform and and complain and bitch and kind of get together and form a big mob with a pitchfork, (laughs) pitchforks. You know, that didn't exist. Um, But also... It, this was this was even just handled differently in that they were building towards something and then let us down. I I've never seen very much of Star Trek: The Next Generation, um, but but even Robert Kirkman says you know every season finale and season premiere was a two part episode. Uh, you know the first half ends on a cliffhanger and then the second half is the premiere of the next season. It's not like the entire season of Star Trek built up to that moment and then it didn't happen, right? Yes. Yeah. So I'm not sure it's quite a valid comparison in that way. Um, Anyways, uh, despite the fact that Kirkman has said some things that I think have been helpful, he's also saying stuff like this, which in my mind just makes it worse. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So (laughs) there you go. Uh, Any other thoughts? On his non-apology? Well, it just makes me kind of sad. Yeah. Anyways, I don't know, Jason. Maybe season the season seven finale will be the greatest thing we ever see on TV, like he sort of says it is. And, that would be uh, excellent. And it'll we, be the first time he never lied to us. <laughs> it'll be the first time. Exactly. <laughs> maybe it'll make us forget all of this stuff, and that's it. So, all right. Well, that's just a short little aside here at the, at the end of the show, but... Um, Thanks again to Jason and Karen for coming on and doing our season six wrap up crossover. Once again, don't forget to go to walkingdeadcast.com and check out the other half. You can also find everything that uh, they do at podcastica at podcastica.com, which is cool. Uh, There's a lot of cool shows there. Um, And uh, if you want to get in touch with us, you can do that by visiting talkingdeadpodcast.com, clicking on send voicemail link, and you will be able to record a message right into your computer that comes straight to us. You can also find us on Twitter at Talking Dead or on Facebook at facebook.com slash the Talking Dead. 
And of course, you can email us at talkingdeadpodcast at gmail.com. Um, we are not going away for the entire summer, everybody. We will definitely be back with some uh, podcasts over the summer as we march toward the uh, return of Fear the Walking Dead in August. And once that comes back, then we're straight on through into season after that, the end end of that into season seven. So lots of stuff to do there. Um, but we will be back pretty soon. Uh, until next time, everyone, my name is Chris. And my name is Jason. Thanks for listening. Ciao.